Wow, that's good. He's still enough. There's a line in that last one, Jesus, you're still enough. Isn't that awesome? I pray that every single one of you in this room can say that with all confidence, without any hesitation. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what life may be throwing or rolling, whatever, you may feel like you're in a valley and there's nothing but big old snowballs that started out small and by the time they get you to you, you feel like you're being hit with an avalanche. Listen, Jesus is still enough. This past week we talked about, this past Wednesday night we talked about chin up. Chin up. It's easy to get down. Holidays for some are difficult times. There are many people who will sit around Thanksgiving tables for lunch and Christmas events, and there are those who were there last year who are not there this year, and for many it's hard. It brings back, it just makes memories. Memories are hard. But Jesus is still enough. Jesus is there. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. We set our clocks back. We're on time. For those of you that came to the 11 o'clock service, you had plenty of time. You are well rested and you have had plenty of time to have plenty of coffee and you are wide awake right now. But you know, during the winter months, it gets people down. Winter is, I said earlier, just, you know, it's bright and sunny right now. Just don't look outside around 5, 530 tonight because it's going to be getting dark and nasty and for a lot of people, they don't have their evenings. They miss their evenings, and they can get down. A lot of people get really down during this time of year. But I want you to remember, I want you to keep your chin up. Jesus is still enough. Jesus is enough. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what's coming your way. I don't know what, what the avalanche right now feels like for you, but I can tell you, Jesus is enough. I promise you, He is. He sees it. I, I remember as a kid, uh, and it, and this, you know, we've we've heard this before, but I remember as a young kid uh, being told that you know there's nothing that comes to us without it having first gone through his nail scarred hands. So he's approved it. Think about Job. Have you considered my servant Job? And the devil says, yeah, but he just does it because you blessed him. And we see that there Satan is on a leash. We see that Satan is only going to go so far. And it comes to us only after it has been approved by the Father. So whatever it is, wherever you find yourself, wherever over the next several months, November, December, January, February, during the, the dark, cold months, during the holiday seasons, whatever, wherever, whatever you go through, Jesus is enough. Can I pray for you this morning? I, I just feel like I need to. But, and this may not be for one person in this room. It may be for somebody that watches weeks from now, watching now, or, or just stumbles upon it in the future. You just need to hear that, you know, Jesus Christ is enough that life is heavy sometimes. It's hard sometimes. It's real. I'm not going to downplay it. I'm not going to say it's not real. It's real. The pain's real. The sadness is real. The, the heartbreak is real. Jesus is enough. Let's pray, Father God. We are people. We are flesh. You understand our frame, our stature. It is but dust, Lord. Remember our weakness, our frailties. And God, I pray for this room. I pray for every person that's listening and that will listen. Lord, I pray that your hand would be so present with them, Lord, that God, whatever comes their way, whatever is headed our direction, Lord, 
that in the middle of it, we can always, always be able to say, you're enough, you're there, you're, you're with us right there in the middle of it, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the, the darkest times, the darkest places. God, you are present, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a sickness, Lord, whether it's financial or, or whatever, maybe at school or work or play, wherever it might be coming from, we know that, God, you've already overcome, because you overcome, we are conquerors in Christ. Lord, bless this room, bless this day, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me over to the book of Numbers. The last several weeks, it seems like I've been, I've just kind of reading along with the children of Israel. and You know, they, they have a, a regular cycle of, of obeying and disobeying. They disobey and they repent, they run back to God, they cry out for mercy, and God forgives them. Aaron, Moses, they, they fall flat on their faces and they plead for the people and the Lord relents from absolutely destroying all of them even though all the while many are dying because of their rebellion. Many, God is allowing so many things to happen from about chapter 11 of the book of Numbers through where we are today in chapter 21. There is, a, there is an up and down. It is a roller coaster of rebellion. They, they run, they turn their head from God and then as soon as life gets difficult, they, they're, they're back repenting. They're back crying out for help. They're back. It's like a game to them almost. It seems that as you read it, it's like, when are they going to get it? It's a cycle. It's a cycle. We, we talked, Ty and I was talking this morning. I said, the cycle has to change. And, and you know, for the children of Israel, the word has was had. The, child, the cycle had to change. It, it had to be fixed. Something had to stop it. They were regularly complaining. They, they complain about Moses. They, they complain about their leadership. They don't like him. They, they complain about being led out in this wilderness and they're going to just die. And they complain about what they're eating. They complain about what they're drinking. They're just constant complaining over and over and over. It starts in Exodus and we pick it up in Numbers and they're just regularly complaining. It's a cycle that they're in. They... They do what they want to do, and things get difficult, and they rebel against God, and they see they need hope, and they run back for forgiveness, and it's just over and over and over. It's like us. The cycle has to change. Uh, I pray that you're not that way. As you spiritually mature, as you grow in Christ, as you become, as you, as you study God's Word... As you seek Him regularly through study and through prayer and through whether, um, I don't know, we, we joke around the office listening to, to training and we listen. I was listening to some sermons this past week and, you know, whether it's edifying, how are we filling our spirit? Here's, here's what happens as we mature, as we grow in our age, as we go away from milk and we get on more meat and taters. We get on the tougher things. We get on the deeper things. Here's what happens. It, we never outgrow our tendencies. We never outgrow that fallenness. Paul says there in Romans, the things I know I ought to do, that's what I'm not doing. And the stuff I'm doing, I, I hate it. And he cries out, oh wretched man that I am, who will free me from this body of death. And we know that there is only one that can free us, and it is Jesus. It is Jesus only who can completely free us. And we know that 
those that he's justified, he's sanctified. And until we get our glorified bodies, we are going to struggle with flesh. We are going to struggle with whether it's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. We are going to struggle. But as we draw, the Bible says, draw near to me and Satan will flee from you. We wonder, we wonder why things are the way they are. Could it be because we've allowed ourselves to drift a little too far? Could it be that we are maybe like the children of Israel, the cycle of, they, they, I mean, it's desperate. They're, they're crying out. Look at verse 20, look at chapter 21. This is what they regularly do to God. And I'm not saying you and I do this. We may not be this extreme, but our, our actions and our attitudes and our thoughts could do this. Look at what they say, verse 5. The people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water and we loathe this miserable food. These guys were, God had given them manna from heaven. God had given them the quail. God had given them the water he had provided for all of their needs. And they steadily, constantly, regularly complained against God. They forgot they were under 400 and something years of bondage and captivity in Egypt. They were miserable there. They hated it. They desperately cried out for freedom. And when God gave them exactly what they asked for, and when He provided all of their, He gave them food, He gave them water, their clothes didn't wear out, their shoes don't wear out. For all of these years, 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, God provided everything. But they steadily complained. They steadily rebelled. They steadily allowed the flesh to take over. Not careful, church. Cycle's got to change. How does it change? How did it change with them? We'll look in a moment, but I'm telling you what happens. It, it happens when we see what's going on. When we wake up to the reality that I am a sinner, I am a mess up, there's nothing good in me. The good that I do do is Christ in me doing it. That, that I can't save myself, forgive myself. I cannot do it in my own strength. I must rely on someone else. Therein lies the step of faith. Therein lies the gap. You know, here in Numbers 21, God does something that's interesting. That although the children of Israel are not perfect after this event, you know what changes? They don't complain anymore. They still sin. They still rebel. They still do some very foolish things. But the complaining stops when God punishes them this time. He's, there's, there's been times up to now between Numbers 11 and Numbers 21 that that the ground has opened up and swallowed entire families, 250 in their family. I mean, entire groups of people, the outskirts, the edges of the land, the whole area has been destroyed. People have been, I mean, the sin has brought consequence after consequence after consequence. But here something happens that changes things. The cycle had to change. God had to get their attention. And he uses a very unique situation. Look at what he says. Look at verse 6. 
The Lord sent fiery serpents. We do not know what a fiery serpent is. We're, we're assuming it's snakes. We know it's snakes, but a fiery serpent. Were they red snakes? Was it fiery because of the, the sting and their venom? We don't know, but they were fiery serpents that God sent throughout the land. He sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people. So that, it's important to note, so that many of the people of Israel died. They straight up are dead. They're gone. So people are dying. Here's these fiery serpents. God, they've, they've complained. What did they do? The people spoke against. Verse 5, the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no food. Yes, there is. There's manna and quail. There is no water. Yes, there is. There is plenty of water. And we hate, we loathe this miserable food. It's like, come on, guys. So God sends these serpents. God sends these snakes out that are just straight up biting everybody. And people are dying. Scripture says people are dying. And it gets their attention. People die. You know, when people are sick and they die, it usually wakes them up. It gets their attention. Although that's not different. People have died before and they repent. People, this very next verse, they go to, they go to uh, Moses here because Aaron had just died the chapter before. So verse 7, so the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. Uh, we have spoken against the Lord. Intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. That's not unusual. That's happened numerous times. Regularly they go and say, I'm sorry. I did it again. I'm sorry. Moses, Bible says, and Moses interceded for the people. But look at what happens. Look at what changes here. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, and I shall, it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. That's interesting. And Moses made a, made a bronze serpent and, and set it on a standard. And, I mean, what he did is he, he, it's like this. Let's just say this is a standard. It's a, it's a high, it's a podium, it's a lifted up thing. And he, he, he made this and he picked it up and he, he, he just made this bronze snake looking thing. He carved it or metaled it or hammered it or whatever. And he just stuck it up on a pedestal high in the sky and Moses made a bronze serpent and set it in the, on a standard. And it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. That's different. Up until now, God's just relented. God, God punished a bunch, just like he's punishing a bunch now. Serpents went out, he bit a bunch of people in the, Children of Israel, and many died, a few verses up from that. But here God changes it, and he creates this here serpent, and it's just a weird deal. There's, there's no doctors. There's no anti-venom. There's no emergency rooms. There, there's nothing. There's just this big statue, tall statue thing with this bronze snake-looking deal on top of it, that if people wanted to live, they would look at it. So can you imagine? I can just see Moses is sitting there and he hears, he's, I don't know, he's sitting in his tent. Whatever Moses did with those millions of people out there. He, he's sitting in his tent and he hears a scream. 
Help! Somebody's done been, somebody's done been bid again. And they're just running toward the tent. And he peeps through the tent. And he's like, oh, here comes another one. Here they come. And they're like, I've been bid. I'm dying. How do they know they're dying? Because others have died. This is real. Others have literally died. Others, they've seen family members die. They've seen loved ones die. They've seen neighbors. They've seen best friends. They've seen people literally die from this snake bite. And all of a sudden, oh my, I've been bit by one of these red fiery serpents. And it's hurting. And they run to Moses. And they're like, Moses, help me. I'm dying. And, and, he, and he comes in and he sits them down and he says, here's the deal. There's one hope. You have a death warrant on your life you are about to die and there's only one hope you just got to look up at that serpent and believe what do you think many of the people must have thought <laughs> that is the most foolish thing i've ever heard there's that's nonsense are you kidding me that makes no sense. I mean, where's the doctor? Shouldn't you, shouldn't you be cutting and sucking out the venom? Or, or shouldn't you be wrapping a bandage around my arm? Or shouldn't you be giving me something? There's only one hope. There's only one hope. There's only one hope. Period. Only one hope. Go over with me. Look at John. John chapter 3. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night and he says, he, he wanders away to him and Jesus says, Hey, you must be born again. And, and Nicodemus asked the question here in chapter 3. He's like, How can I, how can I go back into my mother's womb? I, I can't be reborn again. How, how is this possible? And Jesus tells Nicodemus, with God all things are possible. And he keeps on reading down through here. And he gets to verse 13. No, verse 14. And Jesus uses these words. Notice this. You know, it had to have been foolish. It had to have been the most far-fetched thing. Can you imagine? Can you imagine family members coming home? And the children of Israel, the family members were coming home. And, and I don't know, a friend comes back into the house or a family member comes back into the house and they said, you were bit. I'm like, yeah, I was bit. But you didn't die. No, I didn't die. I'm, I'm healed. But what did you do? I, I put my trust in that serpent, in that statue. But that's foolish. There's got to be more. There's, there's got to be something else. There's got to be, there's got to be something else you need to do. Did, did he not show me, show me the medicine? There is no medicine. Show me, show me the, the, the bandage. There, there is no bandage. I just, I just, listen church. I just simply trusted what God said do. And he healed me. Jesus in John chapter 3 is talking here to Nicodemus. And in verse 14, Jesus says, as Moses 
lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. You know, there are so many people that hear the message of the cross and they view it as foolishness. They're saying, they, they say, well, there's got to be more. There's, there's got to be something I can do. There's got, to be, there's got to be some steps. You know, in our world today, there's always steps. These 12 steps or 10 steps or 7 steps or just all of these things that you've got to do. Jesus says, whoever puts their trust and their faith in me will have everlasting life. Look at verse 16, what it says. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have, ever, have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The cycle has to change. The, 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 the constant rebellion and constant, hey, I know I did wrong and get me out of this. I, I messed up and I need a fix. I, I done got caught. I need, to, I need to get my life straight. I, that constant back and forth, there's got to be a fix. And I'm telling you, just like there was only one hope for the children of Israel when they were bit by the serpent. There is only one hope even today. And just as foolish as it was for the children of Israel then. It may seem just as foolish today. But every person that was bit by a serpent. And that did not look at that bronze serpent on that Stand. Just, he died. If you didn't look at that serpent, you died. If you didn't do it the way God said do it, you died. You know, it's not popular. But really good people, I'm talking really good people, people that Will give you give you their last shirt off their back, last dime in their pocket. People that if hey if you're you're out there and your car's not cranking, you know they're gonna pull over and pull them jumper cables out. I'm talking people that if you need a ride, they're gonna give you a ride. I'm talking I'm talking the absolute best of the best. If you're hungry or you need you're at the bottom, you know that you can go to them. I'm talking about that group of people that's really 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 good. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, So Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So that whoever believes will have eternal life. You know that good person? That really good person? That person that you can't find anybody that's going to say anything bad about them. If they don't put their trust and their faith in Jesus Christ. If they don't look up to the Savior. If they don't look up to the one who was lifted up on a cross. And was 
crucified and was buried and rose again, if they do not make Christ their Lord, it doesn't matter how good they are. When they die, they go to hell. And they don't go because God is bad. They don't go because God is a a judging God. They don't go because He's not fair. They don't go because... They go because they did not do the only thing that matters. They're not... God's not doing it to them. They're, They're walking into the tent. Here's what they're doing. In today's world, here's what those people are doing. They're doing exactly what the children of Israel did back then. Every person, the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, spiritual death. Every man, woman, boy, and girl has a sin problem. We've all been that serpent. You remember the serpent? It's kind of crazy, isn't it? That serpent in the garden. Remember that serpent in the Garden of Eden that come and tempted Adam and Eve and they fell and sin entered the picture? That same sin sickness that the serpent gave in the very beginning. It's the same sin sickness that's been passed down to every person that's walked the earth today. And there is only one cure for that sin sickness and it is Jesus. So that really good person who does everything and checks every single earthly man-made box. If they do not surrender and repent and trust Christ as Lord, they die and go to a devil's hell and spend all of eternity. The Bible says there's weeping and gnashing of teeth there. It says, where the worm never dies. Can you imagine? Listen, can you imagine? In today's world, can you imagine? You've never trusted Christ. You never looked up to Jesus, the only hope. You looked at it and you said, that is absolutely foolish. That is, that's crazy. There, there's got to be more. There, there's got to be something else. This, is, this was written by a man. This, this, these are people, 66. These are human beings that wrote that. That is a messed up book. How in the world can you say that, preacher? Imagine what the people that walked into Moses must have said. I've been bit and I'm about to die. What do I do? Glad you asked. Follow me. You see that serpent? Look up there at it and believe you'll be healed. That's foolish. Where's the medicine? That's foolish. Where's the doctor? That's foolish. I'm telling you today, there is but one hope and that's Jesus. There is but one forgiveness to the sin sickness, and that is Jesus. You know that worm that never dies? Can you imagine? Forever and ever and ever and ever. You know the story of Lazarus, rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus dies and goes to heaven. Rich man goes to hell. The rich man looks up and says, hey, can you... um, can you send Lazarus that he could touch the tip of his finger and maybe put it in some water? Put it on my tongue so that I can have some relief from this torment. Physical torment. 
But there's also that worm that never dies, that gnawing, that gnawing of constantly remembering. Can you, can you imagine suffering, separated from any hope for all of eternity as that gnawing constantly eats at you that, hey, I, I've been bit by the snake, I've been bit by the serpent, I, I have a sin problem, I was a sinner, and somebody told me that Jesus was hope, and somebody told me that all I had to do was put my trust and my faith in Christ. All I had to do, the Bible says, is that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. You will be saved. I can't save a one of you. But I hand you that in Jesus' name. And say every person has to deal with that reality. That there is but one hope in that worm. That never dies. That constantly eats at you. For all of eternity is that tormenting reminder of you were that close. And all you had to do was look to Jesus. And you said, that's foolish. I'll do it my own way. I'll try my own hand at this. I, I'll do what I want to do. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That worm that never dies is, is having it right there. Hope. Peace. Forgiveness. And rejecting it. That good person... That really good person that dies without Jesus, they're not going to go to hell because God is bad. They're going to go to hell because they're sinners that rejected the only hope available to them. Guys, the cycle has to change. We can't forgive ourselves. We can't fix ourselves. We can't stop the sin problem ourselves. Just like the children of Israel, God told Moses to put a bronze serpent on a pedestal and every person that looks to him will be healed. That same God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross, high and lifted up, so that our sin debt could be fully paid, fully satisfied. My forgiveness was bought your forgiveness was bought on the cross and nowhere else. Your hope is found in the cross and the completed work of Jesus and nowhere else. Cycle's got to change. I pray that each one of you knows Christ as your Lord and Savior. I pray that each one of you has, you know, there's many in this room right now that are saying, I know Jesus is Lord. I praise God that He died for me, that He rose.
ooze again from me, that He's given me His Spirit and He intercedes for me. I am new in Christ. He is my all. Preacher, if I died right now, I'm going to heaven because of Jesus and nothing else. Praise God. But you know what? There's probably one or two. This is just another one of them Sundays, and that's just another one of them holy roller preacher folks that's trying to scare me. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The people that didn't look at the serpent died. The people that do not trust in Jesus die and they go to hell. Not because God is bad, but because they're sinners deserving punishment. And God has given freedom, and He's given hope, and He's given forgiveness. And it's there, the Bible says, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Father God, uh, here we are. Every person messes up. Every person is a sinner. Every person has ultimately one need, and that is forgiveness. God, I pray that there is not one in this room that is lost, that is, that is rejecting you, that is Viewing every bit of this, viewing me, viewing all of this as foolishness. I pray, Lord, that there's not one in this room that is just kicking this down the road, that is saying, hey, I'm going to live forever and I'm going to try my hand at this and I'm going I'm I'm to do everything I want to do and at the very end of my life, then I'll give myself over to Jesus. Lord, I pray that there's no one playing such a foolish game. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this room right here that is not a Christian, they're not a Christ follower, they're not a, they've never repented and said, Lord, that's me. I'm tired of, I'm just in a constant pattern of, of trying to figure this whole thing out. I'm trying to fix it my way. I'm trying to live for me. Lord, I pray, God, if there's that person in here that's never asked you to be their Lord and cried out for forgiveness and humbled themselves to the point and said, Jesus, save me, God, that you would do that very thing right now. Holy Spirit of God, convict sinners of their desperate need of a Savior. Hey, you, if you're in here and you're listening and you know that you're lost, then why don't you right now do what the Bible says and put your trust in Jesus? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. I'm not making that up. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Hey, you, there is but one hope and it is Jesus high lifted up just like they had to look to the serpent. You have to look to Jesus alone. Why not right now? In this moment. Every head in this room is down. Nobody's looking around. I'm not even.
shaken. I'm just trusting the Spirit. If you're lost and you know you need salvation, then why not say this? Say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me. I'm a sinner. And I need you, Lord Jesus, to be my Lord. I ask you to come into my life and take over me. I give you everything that I am. I give you all that I am. You are my Lord. You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. You're exactly who you say you are. And I need you to be my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. And from this moment forward, I am going to live for you and you alone. Father God, I don't know who just said that. I don't know who your spirit is breaking and drawing to yourself. But Holy Spirit of God, I pray that there is no one in this room who is lost. And who looks at Jesus and says, I reject you. Holy Spirit of God, draw them to yourself as only you can. And we'll give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You know, I don't know who just did that. There could be somebody in this room literally right now that just said, just got saved. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not might be, but will be. You're brand new in Christ. You're brand new in Christ. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Make it public. Let the world know. You know, it's taboo. It's just funny walking down an aisle. You know, I say all this, and I've said all this so many hundred times. Nobody moves between you and the Lord. Between you and the Lord. But here's the thing. If Christ is your Savior, if Christ is your hope, if Christ is your... Do not hide Him. Do not be ashamed of Him. Do not be ashamed of what Christ has done in your life. Be bold. Bold in your witness, bold in your walk, bold in your faith.